Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. The Point Venuti revitalization has finally been completed after years of work. Renowned corporate lawyer Richard Sloat was recognized for his pro bono work on the project at the ribbon cutting held at the new Talisman Hotel. In a confusing speech, Sloat said both he and his father spent much time here in Point Venuti, which was why he was committed to the project. But when asked, he could not identify a single specific memory. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, CM Alexander, alongside Joshua Khan. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham. What up, constant readers? And today, we are finishing our Patreon selection by Edward Serbone, The Talisman. We are finishing the book, and Josh is leading us through the discussion. What a challenge of an ending to cover <laughs> in one episode. Yeah. It, this is such a weird book to be reading in this manner. It, it's not, I, I guess it is broken up into parts, but like breaking it into these three distinct chunks feels like we have read three different books. <laughs> oh, yeah. absolutely. That's a really great way to put it. <laughs> yeah, because the the first part was very like exciting. And the second part was very frustrating. Mm-hmm. And then this part is just wild. <laughs> from the I was going to say, it's both. Exciting and frustrating. (laughs) The quickest way to summarize where we are to this point is Jack is on his way to California to retrieve the talisman to cure his mother, save a kingdom. He has made a lot of mistakes along the way, including inadvertently being part of the death of his would-be best friend, Wolf. Mm. And he is now with his other would-be best friend, uh, who is pretending he's gone insane, and he is going to be met with Seabrook Island stuff as he's flipped <laughs> over into the territories. That is where we left off with our protagonist. I, I don't know that I, I might argue with pretending he has gone insane uh, because <laughs> he's yeah. pretending a lot of things. But if you are you know, denying reality to the point that you smash your own glasses, uh, you're not well. That is true. I don't want to be a dick, but Richard is no wolf. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Richard grows on me. I I like Richard uh, a lot, actually. I don't dislike him, but... I, I feel like Richard could have been better, but the circumstances always pile on him. Like, that, Richard is a beast of burden almost instantly. Okay, I guess here's what hurt me. We had our buddy, our pal, our sidekick, Wolf. Then you killed him. <laughs> And we get Richard. If we had just started with Richard or kept Wolf, that's probably way more like typical and expected. <laughs> but and, and they do make Richard real, real unbearable for the first long time that we know him. Yeah, because we've been through a lot with Jack. And so to have Richard, who's sort of pushing against Jack, not not in a bad way, not like Sloat or any of those other characters. It's just it just makes it hard. Yeah, uh, Richard does a lot of no but. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. He, he eventually learns to yes and. Yeah, but but I also can't imagine 
a I can't imagine this book with Jack, Wolf, and Richard. The the that three does not work in my head. Not a but three I, I would draw. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I'd love to get the chance to read that though. <laughs> Other than than what we got. Well, let's let's talk about what Richard is going through because we're uh, we pick up with. Uh, the two of them running in the air like cartoon characters mm-hmm. uh, and falling also to the ground. Also how I pictured it. <laughs> Hilarious uh, because Jack has flipped them into the territories. And as we read last episode, the the depot kept being a prominent thing sticking in Jack's head. And here we are. We're at the outposts. Mm-hmm. There's a depot manned by one real lonely guy who's really happy to see his lord and savior, Jack Sawyer. This is so fascinating because... He knows that he is that Jack is Jason Anders, right? That's yeah. his name. Anders. Anders knows that Jack is Jason, but he also knows that Jason is dead and has been dead for like eleven and a half years or something. <laughs> yeah, it, it becomes a very the the subtle biblical allusions uh, <laughs> drop away. And it's just oh, uh, Jack is the literal second coming of Jesus in this world. I like it, though. Uh, me too. Yeah. It's great because it, what it made me think of is how wildly different Jack's journey would have been had he not spent his first huge portion of the journey so afraid of traveling in the mm. uh, in, in the, the territories, territories yeah. that he traveled in our world through the portions of the territories that would have been populated. If he would have been interacting with the people of the territories, how many of them would have been acting the way Anders was acting? Oh, my God. He would have gathered a a retinue. I bet somebody would have given him a ride in their buggy. (laughs) Like, almost for sure. (laughs) As long as he didn't talk politics. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I do like though that the territories allows you to set aside that practicality that Richard has. Richard is the America <laughs> in the story. Yes. And and just accept that yeah, this guy would understand that Jack is Jason in a way. If you had told me in the very first section we read that Captain Farron would end up becoming such an important uh part of the story because that coin is the most valuable thing I think mm. he's gotten this entire journey because that's the he shows him that and that's how Anders knows that he's not it's not a trick mm-hmm. for some reason that is the proof and he opens up to him about everything that he is manning this demon machine that is going to be traveling out west and carrying all these supplies it's going to be loaded up with uh, some wolves and headed out west and they go and take a look at it and checks like oh this is like a golf cart it was a very simple train <laughs> thank you for phrasing it that way because i was baffled that he was like oh yeah i know how to drive this because i could not <laughs> walk onto any train and be like yeah i got this yeah this what? seems right <laughs> yeah the whole thing seems to be just like a go lever mm-hmm. yeah and uh, yeah when they describe uh when he like takes him back and he's like this thing's run by demons uh it's <laughs> the only explanation and then he shows and it's just like 12 yeah car batteries like wired mm-hmm. together it does seem very like ramshackle <laughs> okay this is this part is something i really want to talk about and it's so minor so i'm very sorry for the detraction if no one else is interested so we get this this is crazy technology this is 
alien technology powered by batteries. Don't know where we've seen that before. You trying Tommy to say knockers? slowed as a wait, Tommy no, knocker? Wait, it gets, it gets, oh, no. there's okay. more. So as, so Anders starts explaining what's out in the blasted lands and he talks about the giant balls of rolling fire and describes mm. them as radioactive. And Jack remembers that his mother was a really outspoken and did protests against nuclear energy, which made that Tommy knockers crossover when Guard meets Jack on the beach, mm-hmm. like really stand out in a whole <laughs> new God, light. I forgot that even yeah! fucking happened. I was like, that, what a weird pull. I thought that was so cool. I like it. I, I was so prepared for you to say something so much more insane. <laughs> I thought you were going to try to connect the events of this oh, book. I did too. To the Tommy Narcos. Okay, here's the story. Right? Okay, so Slow brings over these batteries to this magical land, right? And the people learn how to use them, but they integrate them with their magic. And over time, it becomes radioactive and transforms them into these weird, crazy space monsters. But they use it to go to space. And then they build a big spaceship, and they travel light years away, and then they crash into Maine. Ben, you've sold me. That's a great point. <laughs> the Talisman is a prequel, everyone. <laughs> um, because that's stupid. That's <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a lot of stuff that I, in this last section that I think is really cool because it drops... It gives you enough information to make some inferences on things that we've read before. Like, mm-hmm. he talks about creatures in the Blasted Lands getting too close, and especially the wolf's that are working as slave labor building the track. You can't be on a train in anything called blasted lands <laughs> without me thinking of uh, the Dark Tower journey. <laughs> oh, for absolutely. But the the way it describes the burns mm-hmm. draws back to the Etheridge thing that those were, he turned and half his face was melted. That must have been a wolf hmm. that was part of that like that had worked out there so that's mm-hmm. why those were like had those really weird deformed features and i thought that was a really cool little detail to yeah drop. i didn't even catch on to that but that makes sense uh we find out that oris's dad died of diarrhea and it was hilarious <laughs> to everyone <laughs> uh, except for morgan who then brutally uh beat people and we find out that oris is the a territory so morgan of oris mm-hmm. is his title and he basically is the ruler of the blasted lands. He is the shittiest realm in all of the territories. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, and this is once again, I think this is the one for each episode. Mm. But I can't not say that the blasted lands, once we get there, reminds me of Kaled from <laughs> Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> it's so accurate, guy. It's just like, it's in the game, it's just everything is red and diseased. Mm. And there are even these like crazy monsters that are humans, except they're like gray and have these horrible te- teeth filled mouths, just like the oh, guy. Yeah. yeah. All I'm saying is Stephen King uh, wrote Elden Ring. <laughs> George R.R. <laughs> R. Martin is trying to take his uh, take his credit. Yeah, it's, it's, un- it's an uncredited addition to the saga. So Jack's ba- basically like, well, Fuck it, we'll take the train. It's not supposed to leave for a few days. We'll grab it, we'll get going. It's a two to three day journey. We'll be there before they anticipate us. We'll get the jump on them and then figure it out. Which, 
not a bad plan. Not a terrible plan, no. no. He doesn't know much about the Blasted Lands. And also really points out how fucking stupid Morgan is. <laughs> if you're going to build a train that is this important to your, like, empire, don't make it so simple two ten-year-olds can operate. <laughs> <laughs> now, this part I thought was really interesting. They've made this plan. Anders is going to let them take the train. And Jack tries to pay him with Farron's coin, and he acts like he pissed in his face. What did you get from that reaction? My understanding was that was just a, a social goof. He. It seems so severe, though, for just a yes, guy. Well, it's, because imagine it, Jesus that's, that's came a... back <laughs> from <laughs> the dead. Sure. It's the second coming of Christ, and he comes and he washes your feet, or whatever the fuck Jesus loves to do. <laughs> And then you're like, thanks, man. What's that? Ten bucks? Or oh no, no, he, no he, yeah, it's the other I way around. I wash Jesus's feet, and then he pays me ten bucks. No, he like, gives nah, you man. I've lost gold. control of the metaphor. <laughs> I think it's just the severity that it, we're using sticks mm. to pay with money, and this is a coin with the queen's face on it. So I think the equivalent of that is something extravagantly greater. Uh, I see. And I think that makes it even more insulting. Like if you just offered him a, a nub from his stick, maybe you'd be like, oh, come on, dude, get out of here. But that he tried to give him a bag of diamonds, essentially. He's like, fuck. Okay, yeah. I guess that makes sense. It would be insulted if my savior um, yeah. Yeah, wanted to pay me off. I would be thrilled if Stephen King came over to my house <laughs> and I fed him dinner and then he gave me money. I'd be and like, you, this is the best you night his ever. Feet. And then he said, wait. No, I don't like feet. Uh, I I've lost the metaphor. Feet. <laughs> All right. We do get a little bit of deja vu of Wolf because we're getting in this vehicle and Richard refuses to get in a vehicle and <laughs> Anders has to physically load him inside. I, I do like that Anders is really mad and then he understands that Jack didn't mean it. And then he's looking at Richard like, ah, oh, shit. Like, you poor, you poor kid. You got to deal with this guy. It's so <laughs> obvious to Anders that Richard is just a burden. He's like, dang, dude. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to tell you, bud. So they set off for the Blasted Lands. We've talked a, a little bit about it, but how would you guys in a nutshell describe the Blasted Lands? Kick ass. It is pretty kick ass. It, it's a prog rock album cover absolutely screaming trees which based on the description of everything else that we get in this part i for a very long time even though it was not this thought that was literal <laughs> <laughs> i thought the trees were screaming it's like yeah that makes sense that tracks here yeah all of the the animal life that is described is just crazier than the last thing it's like where animals that are also mutated yeah. The the worm that pops out of the ground and eats a dog really threw me for a bit. Did it kind of make you guys think of, like, way, way darker than this, but Beetlejuice when they first, <laughs> yeah. like, go into that other realm? Yeah. In the sand yeah. and stuff? It's so scary mm -hmm. because, like, yeah, there are these dogs that he's seen a few times and he's been like, I don't know if I should worry about that or not. And you're, like, starting to think, oh, those are a threat. And then a thing comes up, eats it in one bite, and it's like you can hear its bones crunching as it dives back under the ground. <laughs> Terrifying. <laughs> uh, we come to a point where Jack decides he's going to bring this train to a stop, 
And because of all the bad decisions Jack's made, I just wrote, oh no, this can't end well. It's actually fine. Oh, and there are also radioactive fireballs oh, yes. just everywhere. <laughs> just rolling around. No big deal. And it's not long into this journey where Richard starts becoming visibly sick. Yeah. Yeah, he's got sores and stuff and he doesn't feel good. And he does come around at some point and he's like, okay, no, I'm not. I know I'm not dreaming. Yeah, he sucks. He he wakes from his panic coma. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And is like, all right. Uh, There's a part that I just spoke to me where Richard just sits down in a corner and goes to sleep. I think think it's back in the Anders's like Uh little area. And the book says something along the lines of like, uh, Jack thought that he just couldn't stand the thought of being awake anymore. <laughs> I get that. So, and I was that like, oh man, relatable. Yeah. <laughs> you re- I can tell why you were really rooting for Richard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, finally check the cargo that is attached to this train and it is mechanical insectile designed Uzis. See, I was confused w- about that because yeah. they say, yeah, it's like they're insectile and like biologic. But then when Jack asks what they are, Richard's just like, oh, yeah, they're Uzis. Yeah. They're very, it must just be the like the ornateness of them. I, I guess. Just their design. Yeah. But it's crates full of Uzis, full of clips. We also find out there's plastic explosives and grenades a little bit later. But... Uh, Jack just arms up and goes back to the cab. He's like, all right, we've got plenty of guns and a shitload of ammo. Come fuck with us, Blasted Lance. From here on out, the ease with which Jack starts murking. (laughs) Thank you. I was just going to ask if that struck you guys. (laughs) Because there is, he starts just fucking blasting dudes away. And there's never a moment where he's like, Oh my God, I killed those yeah. people. It is like he put the gun to his head and blew it away. Let's move on. <laughs> to be fair. I'm like, damn, this Jesus <laughs> allegory got real. <laughs> the the people that attack them with bows and arrows, when he does get a good look at him, you talked about earlier, the mouth full of teeth and mm-hmm. a bitch very humanoid but definitely not human i could see distancing yourself from that a little bit but when he starts <laughs> mowing down wolves yeah that's gotta that's gotta mean something uh speaking of we're coming up on the uh the stockade at the end of the line and uh jack accidentally refers to the wolf at the guardhouse as one of morgan's mm-hmm. he'd been trying so hard not to mention his dad and Anders had talked about Morgan a lot because mm-hmm. he's, he thought that when Jack and Richard got there before he saw who it was, that it was Morgan come early and he was freaking out. Mm. So Richard, depending on how conscious he was this whole time, how much was him just retreating inwardly, might have been picking up on his dad's involvement yeah. for a while. Jack just keeps pedal to the metal and the wolf jumps on. He shoots him in the eye and they ram down the gate into this military complex that basically looks like um, a basic training Mm -hmm. kind of thing that's just full of what we come to find out is five years worth of wolf recruits that have been training here. My my favorite thing, though, is as the train knocks down the door, it runs over a wolf and crushes him and drags him under the train. And it mentions that 
from the moment he got hit to the moment that his body parts fell out around him, they all started going through the change. So he was mid-transformation oh <laughs> as he was being hit by a train. <laughs> I just thought that was great. That's a very cinematic moment. <laughs> it, oh, God, I really want to see that moment. Uh, so now it's it's time to launch an attack on behalf of everyone who Morgan and these people have hurt. And this is the first time we get a moment where it basically says Jack Sawyer and Jason Deloessian cry out, tear them up. What did you guys think of this action scene? This was a bonkers scene. And I love that we're getting more of of Jason being an active part of Jack because it it's, starts to come out here, but you don't really get the full feeling of that until much later when he's in the hotel. Mm-hmm. I was astonished, just the way it's described, Joshi said that they had been building up this place for years and it was going to be this big thing. And the way that these boys blast through here really solves much of their problems <laughs> in a very quick instant. It's it's the one time it's like, oh, something, I hate to say worked out because <laughs> it's so brutal, but kind of worked out. But yeah, it does get interesting when we meet some some more people who are connected to our characters in yeah. the other world. It is he's they're chucking grenades, blowing just tons of these wolves up and then we find out that not only is Osmond here cuz he hears him yelling, but uh the Elroy thing from the Oatly Tap mm-hmm. and Ruel who is Osmond's son who is he a snake? He I I think he's um a gelatinous cube with tentacles <laughs> yeah, i was picturing like, like a were snake unless i'm confusing him with a different character it was very i can't grasp i, I think you might be thinking of the look- thing in the blasted lands because they describe oh, that as very snake like yeah. yeah. okay the head of a, a fang yes snake. you're right oh yeah and it drips venom yeah. <laughs> no he's just like a weird kid right because he's dim they describe That's, that yeah. he is dim and kind of that, like perpetually dim. Yes. When you burn him, his head's full of worms. So that's not <laughs> normal. Um, I blocked out. There's so many. Something happens. And then there are biting red hot worms in a fluid that gets on people. And I pulled a Richard. I was like, Nope. I'm mentally going to bed <laughs> through the rest of this chapter. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is very it well, very effective. Reminds me of the Outsider, obviously. Oh yeah. Where, but he he, it's so anticlimactic. Yeah, I I I think because this character is built up now for like a quarter of the book since we were at Richard's school and we find out that this guy has a son mm-hmm. and that he's a real fucking creep and a weirdo and you're like oh you know this this guy's gonna do something crazy <laughs> and then he shows up and they're like oh yeah this guy's crazy and then they burn him to death <laughs> yeah. with a magic coin <laughs> and it amounts to nothing the, i just love that jack's reaction to seeing him is what was its mother <laughs> yeah. because it looks so insane uh, yeah, he he unloads. So Jack unloads a full clip into the Elroy thing's face. Uh, he puts the Farron coin on Ruel and destroys him. And then they hear that Morgan is approaching and Jack's like, well, we should get out of here. Grabs Richard and they flip back. 
then they fire a whole clip into the train because there's plastic explosives and destroys oh, the train. Because did we didn't mention this, I don't think. The train mm. exists in both as as it is. Yeah. yeah. Morgan has this is fascinating and I don't understand it. Morgan has somehow created something that does not change when it flips. Because when he when he and Richard flip, Jack's like, wait a minute, the train's here. I didn't flip with the train. Flipping with Richard nearly ripped my arm out of its socket. Like, it's not easy to do. Mm. So it's not reasonable. He could have brought this thing in. And that's when he realizes it's the same. It's like, can we talk more about that? Like, <laughs> the answer is no, because then he tells Richard, okay, I'm going to blow this up. And Richard's like, maybe we want to take a few steps back first before yeah. we do that. Because it's going to blow the fuck up. Right. And then he blows it up. And he's like, oh, my dad is going to be real pissed off. <laughs> Yeah, because it's, it's like special toy train. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he says, like, even earlier in the book, there's, I think, at the first mention of Richard, he says, oh, we'll go take the train ride. So, yeah, it's just like he built a real neat model train. <laughs> and then they blow it up. I think I know what it is. It's that the pieces used to build said train and the weaponry... There is no territory's counterpart. Oh, so so it can't like change. there there aren't Uzis in the terror. There's no analog for Uzis in the territory. That's why that was able to go. It's singular, like Jack yeah. and Richard. And so that's probably why it took so long to build because he had to find a material that wouldn't oh change to something I'm else. So dense. That makes so much sense. <laughs> I, and it, it explains why it took five fucking years. Yeah. And then having to build those tracks and all those things, and probably why it's so simple because. Maybe if you have to introduce more technology and you have mm. more components, more materials, those things are might be duplicated. Huh. Thanks, Josh. You're welcome. That's driving me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jack gives Richard horsey back because uh, Richard is even he progressively. We don't have to touch base on it every time, but mm. we occasionally get a check in that. Oh, now he has even more red sores and now his whole back is covered. All of these things. And Richard is just weak and he weighs almost nothing he's like wasting away is this where he reveals more about knowing yeah mm -hmm. uh, that he had been to point venuti yeah he, they're like uh, jack's like we got to be heading somewhere and richard's like it's point venuti oh he's like please don't let it be point venuti yeah. and jack's <laughs> like oh do you know yeah. about this place is there an issue he's like huh what <laughs> yeah now now that you've said it yeah that's definitely where we're going but Richard reveals that uh, he has seen Osmond before, that uh, Osmond came by their house nearly every day the week before Phil was killed. Yeah, this gets really emotional for Jack. Jack's like, oh, this guy and my dad died. Okay. And then I think is it? it's a little later that Richard apologizes to him, mm -hmm. which yeah. he didn't know. I mean, it's not. Yeah, it, at, at five, four or five years old, like what could he have done? Nothing. Yeah. I have uh, another interesting inference to okay. drop on you guys. I would like to posit that Ruel is what grabbed Richard when he went through the closet. Oh, shit. Oh, he just wanted to play. Because, yeah, probably. <laughs> because Osmond, that was when Osmond was coming by. Yeah. Oh, and shit. And Ruel is described as having tentacles. I think that's who was in the closet with Oh, him. Yes, I like that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I got very into this book, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then he meets his long lost friend like six years later and he burns with a <laughs> And he destroys his skull. 
and, and all of that is really sad with what Richard is coming forth with. But the really heartbreaking thing is that he basically says he was afraid to know more about his dad because he was afraid he wouldn't be able to love his dad anymore. And he was right. Yes. That's when I kind Oof. of started to come around on Richard because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's your parents, your parent, even if they suck. <laughs> It'd be hard to to be able to write them off like that, especially not having experienced them. Like, Jack knows what mm-hmm. Morgan's all about. He's had bad run-ins. Richard hasn't. And he's just mm-hmm. now, he is giving Jack the faith that Jack gave him shit for not giving him earlier. <laughs> and Richard knows uh, things that he didn't know would be important because yeah, in hindsight, yeah, yeah, his dad was, you know, the point of annuity stuff. His dad bought the Agincourt and bought this camp readiness, I think is what it was called. Mm-hmm. Bought, he was buying up all these things and he specifically said, don't tell Jack any of this stuff because if Phil finds out, he's going to be really mad. And that's daddy's business partner and you don't want him mad. And as a kid, you don't know any better. Yeah. You're just like, oh, OK, I won't tell my best friend a thing. I'd probably tell him anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, if if one of my, if I owned a guerrilla military <laughs> site, I'd be telling everybody. <laughs> yeah, of course you would. <laughs> <laughs> we find out that while they were, when they would go here, his father would go to the Agincourt and just stand outside of it and stare at it for hours. The no matter what the weather was like, the weather vanes would be spinning at all times, and they would stay at the Kingsland Motel. Mm-hmm. Very fun. <laughs> And Richard was not asking too many questions, obviously, mm-hmm. but when his dad mentioned uh, something about something inside the Agincourt, he said that it was one of the few things that doesn't change. He called it the axle of all possible worlds and Phil Sawyer's folly. How did that, what did you glean from that description? Mostly the Phil Sawyer's folly part. I have no idea. <laughs> I did not think that because it's not, explained yeah i just i i think it's i i guess was it something that phil was seeking my thought was phil's folly is his short-sightedness because he just wants to be a part of the other world and morgan's constantly the one who's saying we can arm the right people we can Mm -hmm. do whatever we want and i'm wondering if that's like had they not killed phil which obviously they they would have because this plan wouldn't work otherwise but he was going to get that power one way or another. Yeah, because Phil definitely would have sabotaged Morgan's plans. Mm-hmm. And this is where it sinks into Jack that it's not just twinners in two worlds, that there are so many yous across any number of worlds. It just so happens these two worlds are the ones next door to each other. That blew my mind, and then when we see that later, blew my mind again. <laughs> uh, we we <laughs> we'll will get, get to it. it. Yeah. Oh god! <laughs> when we finally reach Point Venuti, Jack takes a moment to realize I've gone coast to coast. That's pretty fucking cool. And he sees a billboard with his mom's face on it. That's nice. That was pretty cool. <laughs> a film festival in Point Venuti celebrating his mom. This is the point where the Jack Richard relationship started to give me real Roland Jake vibes. Yeah, I I was wondering if it was because we just read the gunslinger <laughs> that I'm I'm like, am I relating everything no, to this too no. hard? No, there is so much gunslinger in there, this. Yeah. Okay, thank you. This is so dark towery. <laughs> this the line that made it jump out to me because it's Jack is basically saying 
Richard's a part of this. He is on this journey. Whatever happens to him is kind of on me because I brought him. Mm-hmm. He He's going to play a part. I don't know if that part is going to end with him alive or dead or not. And I wrote, uh, nobody's going to hurt you. Jack lied. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to talk to you guys about this, but then, of course, I got through the rest of the book and that is less Richard is more active and willing than mm-hmm. I anticipated him to be. Yeah. So there was, there were a few days where I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to talk to Josh and Ben about what's, you know, like consent in this situation. And is this okay? What Jack is doing to Richard. And is he an anti-hero to like Roland? No, no. Unlike <laughs> Roland, uh, Jack has a willing sidekick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who is not actively begging him to not murder him. Yes. No, because and we get this moment beautifully through Richard. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but there there comes a really disgusting, disturbing, horrific part where Richard's like, "Oh shit, man, I can't deal with this." And Jack is like, "You don't have a choice. You have to deal with it." And you think Jack's having like this really strong moment and Richard's like, "Dude, no shit, I have to deal with it." <laughs> that is amazing. I'm here. I just need to express that this is garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it. I'm climbing the fucking ladder. I will see, when I see it, I'll do it. <laughs> but it was that moment that you're like, Okay, Richard is here of yeah. his own free will, and I feel better now. <laughs> yes, Richard knows he's a, like he can feel he's a part of this. Yeah, but first we got to walk through this crazy town and set it up. But I, I only have one comment about one character I need to know about, <laughs> and I'm wondering if you guys know who it is. Uh, I'm absolutely sure I do. <laughs> this is another thing that informed something from earlier that I wanted to bring up. Uh, they see Point Venuti, and it is horrible uh it's people have abandoned it uh there are people still hiding around in the town and half of it's been burned down can i pull a bend yes it reminds me of the new resident evil movie have not oh yeah okay yeah that's what i'm picturing sort of that it's a town but it's sort of desolate it's dark it's kind of grimy there's like a texture to it in the way the people look i was sort Mm. of picturing something like that it brings up something very cool. The uh, They see territories, trees that try to attack them. That are screaming. That are screaming. <laughs> uh, and they talk about how dark it is. And that's when Jack realizes that it's another place where the world's so thin that there are... The reason it's dark is because there are worlds piled on top of worlds mm-hmm. in this spot. And that's why the night at Thayer was so long. Because that also is a place where worlds are piled on worlds. Hmm. It makes me, it takes me back to Pet Cemetery mm. when they're walking through the thinny. Yeah. So they get closer. Uh, sorry. Before we get to the Agincourt, they do come across a certain lady who I yes. assume CM would like to talk about. <laughs> I, okay, as I'm picturing this town and its inhabitants, they strike me as probably put upon, you know, down and out in their luck, just people struggling, um, unhealthy, you know, diseased. But this broad is rocking <laughs> nipple chains. Yeah, nipple, <laughs> and uh, two nipple piercings with a chain between the yeah, two. Yeah, and she's playing with them. But she, <laughs> she, at this moment, and then later, seems like she's just living her best life. <laughs> she's doing yoga or something, like yeah. a very cryptic, weird yoga that I would never want to see somebody do. That was very Silent Hill. Yes. <laughs> 
She rips part of her hair out and offers it as a bouquet before getting her head ripped off later, but that's not really important. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Fucking great. But she also, <laughs> when she sees Jack, she says, sweet baby Jason. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's weird. I wonder what living in this place has done to the brains of the people who are holed up here, you know? So they reach uh, a point where they can see the Agincourt and Richard even says, it used to be smaller than this. Uh, House of Leaves vibes. <laughs> I love it. From the point where they reach the, pretty much this point, from after they uh, have their run-in with Speedy to the end of the book, the action and just the escalation of craziness yeah. is so fast and crazy. <laughs> it's... Uh, that gets nuts. That's why I felt this was going to be so impossible to talk about because there's so many details in this end part. I think it is impossible to talk about about all of it. We just have to paint kind of a broad, enticing picture of it. So anyone who's listening <laughs> and hasn't read this has to oh, read it now. You absolutely have to because <laughs> we cannot cover all of just. Just the picture that these scenes paint in oh your head it is, is ridiculous. It is wildly cinematic. Yes. Very, it is yeah. every every scene is something that makes me so desperately want an adaptation to happen just to see how. How? <laughs> yeah. It also makes me worried that an adaptation won't do some of those things. <laughs> and that'll be For the thing sure. that I'm really excited to see. Uh, so the Agincourt is surrounded by Sunlight Gardener and a few remaining wolves. And they sneak around, as Ben said. Uh, Speedy calls out to them because he's hiding behind some rocks at, a, mm-hmm. at the beach. Uh, no, it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't know how Speedy beat him there. He couldn't just take him with him, get there early. Whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> then he wouldn't have Speedy's gained the powers a- he needs on his journey. He had to grow stronger uh, with Jason. Speedy's a Gandalf. To- and yeah. I think the answer is don't worry about it. I know. He flew, <laughs> he flew you fools. Yeah. I'm being too critical of a fantasy story. I just, <laughs> it's because King put us through so much with Jack that mm. any moment I have where I'm like, he could have avoided this suffering, I latch onto to, it. Also, Everybody to be fair, ignore me. <laughs> to be fair, Speedy didn't lose a month of travel time locked up in a, a Bible mm. house. That's true. So I know. He, he just traveled. Speedy just traveled in the territories like he told Jack to do, and everything <laughs> turned out fine. Speedy's like, I should not have beaten you here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which Speedy should be upset because it looks like he's dying of leprosy. Ugh, yeah, he's he suffering nasty. like everybody in this area. Mm-hmm. But he gives him a... a a, a blow-up raft yeah. from like a... Like, <laughs> I love I, this so much. <laughs> okay, maybe you can describe it better because I'm picturing like a carousel mm-hmm. blow-up horse raft. Yeah, is that's that right? exactly yeah. what it is. Okay, cool. It, he said it almost looks exactly like the one they repaired yeah. back at the Alhambra. And Speedy... It, I should mention that uh, Jack has been army crawling with Richard on his back <laughs> to stay low. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he... <laughs> I love this. Uh, he says, around the back of the Agincourt, there is a pier built off of it for uh, dining. There's a ladder that you can crawl up, and that'll get mm-hmm. you on the back where none of the guards will see you. And uh, he's like, yeah, but won't they come after me if they see me? And uh, Speedy says, you'll see. Classic Speedy. <laughs> Speedy got a Speedy. <laughs> Couldn't you just describe what it... I. Think of how much time he would waste describing what... He's like, nah, just go. All he has to say is, uh, sea creatures, but you don't have to worry about it. It, Would that be enough for you? (laughs) To be fair, if he said, 
there's a bunch of crazy sea monsters in there. Go have fun. I wouldn't have went. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he, they get in the raft, they push off, and yes, Jack looks below the water, and there <laughs> are creatures that can't exist. The, numerous and hideous. Yeah. And <laughs> no thank you. But I, I don't know how y'all feel. If there's like an underwater level in a video game, yep. nope. nah, it's rough. Nah, man. can't mm. do it. I'd forget going into a real ocean. You know, <laughs> uh, you know what also sucks? A wall of slug mouths. Oh <laughs> God! The I, it is cool that the the creatures are pushing the raft. Yeah, they do see them and they start firing off shots. And sunlight. We find out that sunlight gardener is a sharpshooter. Pulls out his rifle, lines them up, takes the shot, and a fish creature lifts out of the sea and takes the bullet for Jack. And that hero fish doesn't get a name. Okay. I'm very sad. Speedy could have just said friendly sea monsters. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that like after this happens and Jack gets to the back of the pageant court that Gardner is freaking out and runs to runs to Morgan and is like he the, the the sea creatures just like in the book of good farming yeah <laughs> oh what i want to read the book of good farming what, it's crazy that there's a biblical prophecy in this world that <laughs> we're just now finding out a hundred pages. From <laughs> Wolf has read it, hasn't he? Yeah. Sure yeah. Told. yeah. God, let's talk about that. Our final interlude with Sloat, where he's by himself in the Kingsland Motel, and he has accepted Richard is dead, and that both he and Jack are to blame because whatever these sores are that Richard is suffering from, Sloat is causing it somehow. It was really sad. Kind of jumping back to Jack and Richard. When Richard's very, very sick and he's like, is my father doing this to me? And Jack says, yes, but if it helps, I don't think he's doing it on purpose. And Richard goes, it doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> but he is doing it on purpose. That's <laughs> like, Yeah. But he, in his head, he hears his father's voice asking him, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world if he should lose his own son? And Sloat's response is, it profits the man a world and the world is enough. Fucking A. This guy is quite the villain, you guys. Yeah. He's such a good villain, though. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because of how much I fucking hate him. It's, it is a a level of hatred I usually reserve for real life super villains. (laughs) (laughs) Like the fact that Stephen King and Peter Straub created a fictional person I hate as much as Elon Musk is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our account just got shut down on Twitter. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't like our at anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Sloat is, has determined that he is going to one way or another get his hand on the talisman, and then by breaking it open, he will have access to all worlds and be unstoppable. Interesting theory with, I don't think, any evidence to back that up. But he's oh, absolutely not. Yeah, but I do love this conversation because I. This is another thing I want to see how they would do in the in an adaptation because this is four pairs of eyes in two bodies mm-hmm. having this conversation, yeah. which is fucking insane. Because there's a moment where it says, uh, 
sunlight says this, Osmond rolls his eyes. And I was like, what the fuck uh, does that I, look like? I, I can tell you where you can see something very similar. Dream but catcher. it's, we're going <laughs> to... Yeah, it's dream catcher. But we'll get to it in a little bit. Okay, fantastic. Uh, and I do love that... Gardner's very fired up and refers to Jack. His, he's the baddest, baddest bitch's bastard to ever draw breath. <laughs> the the way that he speaks about Jack is gross. It's gross. There's a grossness to it. There that, is underlying issues. Yes. That thank God are not gone into. No. Oh well. Well. To be fair, <laughs> what when we find out <laughs> what happened to his son. Because at, at the moment that we find out later that at the moment when Jack killed Ruel, Sunlight Gardener watched his son have a grand mal seizure and die in his arms, oh, no, struggling I, for I, breath and dying. I get the hatred. It's the other. It's the uh, that other it's part. Uh, yeah. The emotion. The the yucky little boys are y- bad. It's <laughs> <laughs> axiomatic. I hate it. The, yeah. <laughs> the I've never thought the word axiomatic more times in my life than reading this book. But now that word's stuck I in my head. I never want to hear it again. It's so <laughs> gross to me right now. <laughs> we wrap up with the end of their conversation saying we're going to go down by where Speedy is because if he succeeds, that's the first place he's going. Very smart. Yes. So we're back on the, the pier with uh, with Jack and Richard. And does anybody want to talk about him going through the doors for the first time? How that, the first obstacle that the Black Hotel tries to put in his way. It sets the tone of what this, I couldn't not think of it as a D&D encounter. Oh, absolutely. This whole, this whole end in the hotel is uh, just a dungeon mm-hmm. you'd run with mm-hmm. your friends. Mm-hmm. And it starts with him walking up to the doors and the doorknobs, right? Mm-hmm are glowing hot. He says, like, he can tell just by looking at him, if he tried to grab them, it would sink through his flesh and Mm. burn him instantly. But he's like, fuck it, and reaches out and does it anyway. (laughs) And the second he touches it, it's completely fine. It's just an illusion. And he, he walks into the door, and all the while, the hotel or the talisman is yell yelling at him also yeah the the talisman is calling to him and the hotel he when once he steps inside he feels it just like something's pushing him out back out the door which has got to be a weird feeling <laughs> and from here on out this is where he is flipping back and forth and flipping back and forth between himself and jason to the point where at a, at a certain point he says he stops flipping at all mm-hmm. he is just existing simultaneously as two people which is i'm i'm just gonna take a second if you read this part if you're reading along with us and you enjoy this part of the book and you have not seen the movie everything everywhere all at (laughs) once you have to i can't wait this is homework i'm giving all of our listeners (laughs) because this movie deserves to be the best the number one movie in the world uh it's the best movie i have seen in years and years and years wow and once the the walls between our world and the territories end i couldn't stop thinking about this movie it's has very similar vibes please please go watch it (laughs) (laughs) they get inside richard is at this point, he, Richard cannot continue, so Jack has to leave him in the company of a spider that calls him a fushing thief. <laughs> I don't know why that spider is my third favorite character in I, this book. I absolutely <laughs> love him. 
I really wish when we came back to him later, he was like, anyway, how'd it go for you? Yeah. I wish he'd been like just a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> he came back and him and Richard are just like playing cards. Right. Or like Richard's wrapped up in webs and he's like, oh no. And he's like, no, I brought him up here because everything was shaky and I wanted him to be safe. And then the spider hangs out with him at the end. You guys. <laughs> um, so Jack has to leave him and carry on by himself. And this is, like we said, he's he's flipping back and forth, uh, which the book does a great job of using Jack and Jason mm-hmm. to let you know where we are when we see it. It also does that a very cool in parentheses. He's like a door and then parentheses a gate because yeah. he sees it two different ways at the same time. And this is when we get sentient suits of armor or vampires or a thousand other things. This is the best part of the book. It's so This is my cool. favorite part of the How entire book. How do you book. describe this? It is, <laughs> hey, uh, if you haven't yet, you should really go see the movie Everything Everywhere all at once. Um, yeah, it is It is a thing. I've, I've never seen a movie do it before, but they do it in this movie where it is layers and layers mm-hmm. of multiple universes all happening simultaneously. And it's fascinating. It flip. It says, you know, it has him. This is after he's fought a bunch of them, but that there's him standing at the bottom of the stairway with this final armor standing above him. But he's also in an elevator mm-hmm. with this vampire looking down at him from above, and he's also standing on the edge of a cliff, uh, ready to like. It, it's all of this. <laughs> It's I I can't describe it. it. I, I know it's the cool part is though that as all of this is happening, Jack Jason are trusting their instincts. It's yeah. just he's reacting on pure instinct. Yeah, he keeps saying uh, all is well, all is well, all manner of things will be well because he just as awful as everything is in this place mm-hmm. because it's a really fucking terrible evil place. He has become so much one with Jason that he is basically a deity to the point where he falls through all of these multiple universes to the point where he says he is a god existing in all places at once. At one point, he's two dragons having sex in the Fuck sky. Yeah, 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 he is. <laughs> that is a I mean, song. well, that's, that's after he gets the talisman. Oh, that's yeah. not quite that yet. Is true. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he he uses Speedy's pick in whatever form it's in to fight off these when he gets to that final one. And I love as Ben was talking about as he's flipping from world to world. That's how he and he realized I can do this because despite however many worlds there are, I am single nature. Mm-hmm. And that is why I can travel through all these worlds in one step of a staircase. And this last one is up there and his weapon has deteriorated. He can't use it. And he dodges the swing and grabs the helmet by its sides, the sides of the head. Get you off the skin of this world. Yeah, it just calmly, not even aggressively, just mm-hmm. says it. And the armor falls apart. And that is that he has taken out the last guardian. And he stands in front of the territory's ballroom and he enters. Meanwhile, outside... Light shines out of the second story of the Agincourt. All the weather vanes stop. So Morgan is looking up at it and he's like, well, he's got it. He's not (laughs) worried, though, because he knows that Jack is meant to get it and everything's going according 
to plan, which is it's kind of a baffling moment with Morgan. It's it's a bad plan. He, Morgan at no point knows what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> he thinks, because he he's does, so prideful, though. He thinks he does. He's like, oh, yeah, he's supposed to get that. This is going to work out for yeah, me. And uh, oh, yeah, he's going to break it. And the sun's going to turn black. And that's good for me for some reason. Money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it, no, his whole plan is so childish. He just knows the talisman exists. It is good. So he wants it to not. If I break it, I win. Yeah. Yeah. But only Jack can bring it out. But yes. Let's talk about the crazy backstory I want to get on the Morgan of Oris and Parkus storyline that we find out. That shit's insane. That Parkus had marked him, uh, uh, scarred his legs uh, for basically being a traitor. But he was supposed to scar his face and the queen was like, ah, uh, maybe that's a little much. Maybe just his legs, but that didn't didn't make me yeah. like her any better. I, that's the insane thing. It was like, ah, she probably thought that would make me less pissed. It did not. Uh, so yeah, so uh, then this is where the, the he finally comes out and says that Gardner is who shot Phil. So we get that mm-hmm. piece. Uh, and then light fills the entire Agincourt and all the windows shatter out. And now we're back inside the, the room as the talisman, which is a crystal globe perhaps three feet in circumference, the corona being so brilliant he can't actually make out the dimensions at first. And it floats to him and lands in his hand. And this is this is the thing that I thought was so interesting. It basically says this quest was destined for Jason, but Jason died. So this allowed Jason to live once more to finish his quest and uh, jason even kind of speaks to him because he says if i once i take this jason's gonna be gone and he hears like a yeah man it's cool kind of thing from inside his head i i love this so much and i don't understand it (laughs) i feel like i wish i could understand it i'm like oh it's just so cool but what does that mean how is that happening (laughs) he was haunted by his own dead uh twinner twinner i guess I mean, I guess. (laughs) We don't have to figure it out. It's just one of those. (laughs) Now we get a total departure from the the main story. And I thought I'd be upset, but I fucking love it. It's the news from everywhere chapter as we get all of the things that happened with a bunch of people we've met when he takes the talisman in his hand. I'm raising my hand. Is there a moment you'd like to talk about, CM? I don't like that you said... You would like to talk about because that implies <laughs> that I well, want to give be you pleasure of this. to speak. That's about. even worse. <laughs> Makes me feel you're, like you know what in I'm your deepest talk- heart oh of hearts. God. What is the thing you've been looking forward to talking about all day long? Etheridge's boner. <laughs> <laughs> Hit the boner talk sting. <laughs> yeah, it is. We- I I do like this this chapter, but it is weird the characters we decide to <laughs> to check up on it. It's when we get to Etheridge and he's in class beating off. (laughs) I'm fully jerking it in class. I would read in class. Like, I get not paying attention, but just beating off. And, And then, like, this is a normal thing to pause and think about. Thinks about Richard. Richard. And like, how, how about Richard's doing? But, he, but he's, 
talking about him like yeah. in, yeah. The, in the most friendly way yeah. he's ever thought about, it. like his well-being. He's, <laughs> he's just jerking. And he's like, man, I should really touch base with that guy. <laughs> Door tip. Oh. <laughs> 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 Which it, it, you're absolutely right. Very strange the people we <laughs> check in with because it starts off with Lily who sits up, who was mm. dreaming about being Laura. And I was like, oh, okay, this is the tone. And then it immediately goes to Donnie. Donnie, <laughs> yeah. okay. Donnie I, I don't think remember. we actually met Donnie, did we? He was... Yeah, he was the g- kid. Yeah, We did not talk about him because it was so uh, completely <laughs> unimportant. He was a kid who was, it, it was insinuated that he was slow. That's right. And he was always being teased for being in love with Jack. Yeah. And he looks up at the sunrise or whatever and starts yelling, you're right, I do love him. I do love mm. him. And a guy looks over and is like, wow, he really looks like Jesus. Mm. And then that's it, all. And we're like, what well, he, did this he, add to the story? It, well, I, the thing that I do like is because he, who he's in love with was Ferd. For Janklos, yeah. who he's professing his love to. And what you get is this poor orphaned kid, because it says several of the kids went back to their parents. He mm-hmm. was an orphan as he was it a was. True, like, most yeah. of them weren't orphans. It was a ploy of the system. Right. He was an actual orphan. And it says, like, this is the moment he got to feel truest true love, and he'd never forget it. So I, I thought that was a nice little... I did like that. I thought it was sweet. It was just like, wait, who is this guy again? Right. But it was a it was a pure moment of love. Yeah. Judge Fairchild sticks a knife up his nose into his brain. Jesus Christ. Fucking awesome. Yes. I was so happy Uh, that he did that. (laughs) I I really like that the what's his face from the Oatly Taps heart exploded. And his eyes melt. I do feel bad that the whole building exploded and probably killed some not shitty people, maybe. I mean, the whole town. It's kind of a dairy town, but I know. Oakley. Oatly. Oatly. I knew that. (laughs) But it's all, I love that. It goes the extra mile. Not only did his heart explode or and his eyes literally melt in his skull, <laughs> but it says his eyes were aware <laughs> as it happened. I was like, yeah, good. Uh, we find out, uh, of course, we've already talked about the people of Thayer. The, the bells go <laughs> off and everybody mm-hmm. has a weird different reaction. Uh, Wolf's mom is blessed, oh. is grieving and is blessed with a fresh litter beyond her time. Buddy Parkins. Our favorite character. Um, this was the one that made me go, who? <laughs> yeah. I remembered who it was instantly. Buddy Parkins is cleaning out uh, the chicken coops that he's like, guy, why do I have all these kids if I'm doing this? And then he just feels like, oh, Jack is there. I don't know where there is, but hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved it because this was the nice guy who gave him wasn't his coat. creepy. Yeah. No, he was. He wasn't the guy at the end who gave him his coat. And then yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the guy who gave him his no, coat. No, he was the guy who tried to get him to come home with him and his th- he had oh, three yeah. sons. Yes. Oh, I thought that was like, the same right. guy. Sorry. Nope, different guy. Because nope. the guy who gave him it's his coat. the guy who dropped him off at the mall. Um, oh. Got a little mesmerized yes. by yeah, Jack right. and then okay. got kind of like mm-hmm. weird. The sunlight gardener home explodes yes. for Lots no stuff reason. Blows up it's great. For no reason. Just, it's for us. Now, yeah. <laughs> After catching up with all these characters, is there anybody you wish we could have caught up with that we didn't? Because I have an answer. Uh, Farron. Yes. Yeah, we don't hear from Farron ever again. To see, to know what Farron felt at that moment. For sure. Oh, oh, uh, the the front desk guy from the Alhambra. <laughs> oh, the, he exploded. The racist. Yeah, 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 see, like he, the, that front desk guy suddenly fell down the stairs. Uh, he didn't die, but it hurt really bad. <laughs> but he broke half his bones. Yeah, none of them symmetrically. <laughs> so we're back with Jack, and we find out that in this moment, 
in all worlds, something shifted. Mm-hmm. Maybe a beam broke. Something happened in every world. And in this world, an earthquake lasted for 79 seconds. And boy, is this an intense 79 mm-hmm. seconds that we're dealing with. Because That's a long time to have an earthquake, too, oh, if yeah. you're in it. <laughs> Uh, so Jack uh, is now everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, <laughs> absolutely is. <laughs> Having sex with himself as dragons. That is fucking awesome. <laughs> we can't we can't stress this enough, people. <laughs> What's the technical term for dragon sex? Do, do you have an answer? No, I just wanted to see if anybody would come up with something. <laughs> Blast off. <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Devin has a, a jingle. To... Devin has a jingle for this. I am going to cut this out. <laughs> In the land of books, you can do anything. You can fight a giant dragon, or you can have sex with a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I can yep. think of. Yeah. Uh, and this is that moment of he is he is God or something so close as to mm-hmm. not matter. And he fights. He pulls back from it. And he says, I don't want to be a God. I just came to save my mom. And the talisman releases Calms him. Calms down. Yeah. <laughs> and now he has to run downstairs and get back to Richard as the whole building is shaking. And we have said a thousand times, do not drop the talisman. (laughs) Uh, Because when you feel he's like squeezes it and it gives and he's like, oh, it's because it's alive. And I was like, that's fucking gross. (laughs) That's so nasty. Yeah. Later on when he starts using it and it starts turning plasticine and warm. Yeah. Yeah. Uncomfortable. So nuts. (laughs) So uh, um, outside Point Venuti, mudslides have killed probably most of what's left of the Wolf Brigade. Uh, Jack runs to Richard, uh, trying everything he can do to not drop it, no matter how much the Agincourt is rocking back and Mm -hmm. forth and throwing him around. And he gets back to Richard. One of his sores bursts, and one of those white maggot creatures climbs out of it. So gross. Poor Richard. And Jack holds the talisman to our fushing thief, Spider, who gets incinerated immediately. <laughs> which is a bummer because that means it was probably pure evil Aww. and not my friend. Aww, little buddy. And he holds, he had no idea how to use this thing, so he just puts it to Richard's forehead and it helps a little bit. And then it doesn't do anything anymore. And he's like, oh, I'll just, I should just roll this around his body. <laughs> yeah, it, it works. Yeah, and it works. I love, too, he, so he heals him, and it. He, Richard is just better. Yeah. It is awesome. And then he's like, that's cool. Can I see it? And Jack has a moment of, like, he goes, like, he goes Frodo Baggins. Yes, yeah, thank you. That's what I was trying to, <laughs> he golems. He yeah. golems. Yeah. yeah, he golems it. And then he hears his mom's voice. It's like, hey, man, if you're going to be shitty about it, just let me die. I, that, yeah, this isn't I worth know. what this would do to you. And so he hands it over. And, and is that the first time he has that thought about, uh, you know, really caring for something and real power and goodness is being able to let go. Mm-hmm. And he that comes up later, too. But he lets go and Richard holds it and he's like, yeah, cool. Yeah. I can feel it wants to go back to you, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I love that part because of Jack's like unknowing echoing of Morgan. I, I love that. The he feels in his head like the talisman basically asking, Are you going to be the new hotel? 
Because yeah. a yeah, person can be a, the hotel. A boy can be a hotel, yeah. too, which that, is a great sense. <laughs> yeah, that would have been Morgan. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it wouldn't have because he would have broke it. I Well, I I speculate he would have gotten his hand. If he got oh, his hands yeah. on it, he would have become something. That's a real good point. Mm-hmm. They Instead of trying to go back the way they came, they're like, no, we're going off the front fucking door. That's like what's happening. guess. Yeah. <laughs> so classy. <laughs> and they, they head out and... Uh, this several times Richard has said, "My father's dead." Mm. What is there mm. is his twinner. I feel bad for Richard in this moment because everything we've gotten of Morgan, regardless of which world, seems like it, Richard seems like he's trying to say, like the man I knew, who was a good person, is no more. Mm. What is in his place is just rotten. I don't think he was ever good. The stuff we got no. with him and Phil and right. it's just, oh, buddy, your dad always sucked. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But it, I guess it's nice for him. He's He has to de- detach. So when they come outside, Wolfs and Gardner scream at the side of the talisman. Sloat jams his thumbs in his ears to give himself the most painful antlers to wiggle and then bites off the tip of his own tongue. Not, I don't love this part. That, so I don't weird. understand the it. The level of crazy that he goes because he starts like Sam doing- Sam me crazy. Yes, that is the best way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> one. Yeah, it is Evil Dead 2 uh, yes. crazy where he starts doing like cartoon na-na-na-na and bites off the tip of his own tongue. And then literally stomps on it. Army of Darkness crazy. Yes. Even more so. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very off-putting. <laughs> and he's he's jumping up and down telling Gardner to shoot him. Gardner pulls up the rifle. Richard sees the flash of the scope reflect off the talisman. So he saves Jack. Oh, sorry. I thought... This was Richard's thing. I thought that we were going to get like a, mm-hmm. a parallel of Wolf and Richard was going to leap in front <gasps> oh, of the talisman. God. And I was weirdly disappointed. It didn't go that route because my heart had been broken so many times already. I was like, oh, this makes sense. Yep. He's going to sacrifice himself. Nope. Instead, the light that goes into the talisman is absorbed, shot back. And into the scope where it shatters the, the glass into Gardner's eye, explodes the magazine of the gun, taking off all the fingers on his left hand. A lot of satisfying deaths for really, bad guys. God, there really are. <laughs> and a chunk of his cheek has been torn off from the shrapnel. But Gardner doesn't give a fuck. He pulls out a knife and runs for the longest time. <laughs> it's a very long charge <laughs> as he's mm-hmm. running screaming. Jack and Richard flip and see Osmond recharging at them. Interestingly enough, Osmond has an eye patch and a gloved hand, meaning that injury happened to Osmond back at the at the training camp in that battle. So that is the I, things happen to your yes, twin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. It is so cool. I didn't even catch yeah. that. That's so cool. <laughs> this book is so fucking good. <laughs> and the, just the, those details yes. in this last chunk are so beautiful uh so yeah so they they flip back see osmond running at them like nope never mind flip back (laughs) to deal with gardner and uh, he jack kills him the same way he killed his son and puts the talisman to his forehead and melts everything away until he's just a skull (laughs) fucking awesome they run down to the beach uh richard is now back we're giving horsey back again running down to speedy 
uh, slope, oh puts God. his leg out and trips him like fucking nerds. And, and I like that Jack's like, I can't believe <laughs> that that's like all this shit I that put is- up with with all these really horrible people. And this, <laughs> yeah, I, I stop paying attention for a second, and this is how I lose. This battle scene is really interesting because it starts snowing on the beach, and Richard, uh, he's he's got the talisman, he's holding it because Jack is carrying him running. And when they trip, there's just just panicked moment of nobody wants him to drop it, and you can tell Richard's trying to protect it and bashes his oh, head into fuck. a rock. It's a really bad traumatic brain injury, probably. Mm. He has like a flap of skin and hair is never going to grow in like that that seam again. And we kind of step away from him because it's it just becomes this back and forth flipping with Morgan and Jack. And there's a part where Jack is... He can't like figure out what's going on and where Morgan is. And I kept thinking, well, because he, he's he's flipping why doesn't jack understand that and then i remembered he's single natured so it wouldn't occur to him immediately because when he flips he's just where he's at mm, yep. i was like oh that's <laughs> it's just that, a cool like way to build that yes a very cool way to use that power because he's just taunting him from behind mm-hmm. and then throwing rocks at him just really being a fucking punk but i like that when jack catches onto it he flips and i just imagined the little scamper like the cartoon <laughs> yeah. like Hands up, tiptoe, <laughs> running. He just sees Morgan of Oros just scampering away to make the next attack. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great. So they, it's a stalemate. This mm-hmm. can go on forever. And that's when Slope threatens to destroy his own son. He turns the lightning rod on Richard. And Jack lets the talisman roll out of his hands into the snow and sand. And he, he says, break it if you can. I'm sorry for you. And that last. <laughs> I love the oh. next line in the book is that was what destroyed Morgan. <laughs> the, the pity in Jack's voice drives him insane. And instead of picking up a rock and smashing it, which would have ended Easy. it, he turns his key lightning magic wand on the object of infinite power. (laughs) (laughs) And he saw what it did last time someone did that. (laughs) Mm. So the lightning goes into the talisman, is fully absorbed, and blasts back at him 10,000-fold that it envelops him in fire. It opens up a hole in reality that pushes him into the void. And as it pushes him across that threshold. He also turns into Oris for a second. So they're mm-hmm. both banished mm-hmm. in this, in Todash space. Are, aren't basically. all yeah. Morgans now in Todash space? Is that the implication? I don't know. I don't know the, the other, if there are more that maybe they didn't deserve it. I don't know. No, I just, I, I assumed they were all like all Morgans are now. Could be. If they're all that evil. It seemed like just a, because normally things happen in sort of different times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for something about this gave me the impression that he, everywhere he exists, is just affected instantly Probably. by this. So he is, he's in oblivion. Jack takes the talisman. He heals Speedy and Richard. And Speedy gets them to a safe place. And then instead of traveling with them, he <laughs> says, I've got, I have to go. You guys rest here. And it was, I was like, like, oh man, this is going to make CM so mad. But this time he actually (laughs) explains it (laughs) that he has to leave 
because word is ahead of him Mm -hmm. and he has to get to people who would run or would do other things if they found out that Morgan was gone. Two things I like here. I like finding out that Speedy in the territory's parkus is like a law enforcement person, which is really cool. Yeah. And also when Jack heals Speedy, like the American territory's mm-hmm. Speedy, it doesn't quite work all the way because there's just something like he's really ill and it's our world. And Parkus explains because when when they flip and Jack sees Parkus, he's like, you you're okay somehow. And he's like, yeah, that's because your world is polluted and dangerous and it's made speedy age more Mm. than I am. So I'm healthier than him, but he'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah, he'll be fine. Uh, He gives them instructions to travel to the biggest fucking tree you've ever seen in your life, uh, in the territories, then flip back, go through it, find a gas station, and then there will be a ride waiting. Mm. So of course they do. And there is a Cadillac waiting. Richard flips the fuck out for a second, thinking it's the bad guys because it's the Cadillacs. And out comes Wolf's litter brother. Oh, my God. In in bib overalls and the John Lennon glasses and everything. And I love that it, Jack runs up and like hugs him. And he's he knows it's not his wolf. But the instant love and affection mm-hmm. that the new wolf exhibits yes. towards him mm-hmm. is... <laughs> Just the best. He's instantly like, oh, hey, Jack. Yeah. Hi, I'm so glad to see you. And I love that Jack could smell that it wasn't his wolf, Mm -hmm. but he was a litter brother of his wolf. It's like, oh, they're like, it's like he's, he gained something. He learned something from being with wolf. And he got to, he got to give his condolences. You know, Mm -hmm. he got to say, I'm sorry for what happened. I also like that it's his older litter brother. They yeah. say that he's older and wiser looking, mm-hmm. uh, which is really funny because the new uh, older, wiser wolf is a chauffeur. <laughs> and, whereas our wolf wouldn't get in a car. This one <laughs> drives him cross country. Right. But uh, while he sticks his head out the window. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, the trip home. Oh, I do love yeah. that. It's the, so the, great. He spends the trip listening to Creedence Clearwater <laughs> Revival and the sound of the wind as he opens and closes his window. It had a very, like, an ear-splitting yeah. volume. Yeah. It's just so heartwarming. And then when Jack's like, hey, maybe we could listen to this other song, and he's like, yeah, oh, and then some Creedence. <laughs> that song rules. What did you guys think of Richard talking about beginning to forget? Definitely reminiscent of it gave me that sad vibe i i didn't like it because why i don't think that's magical i think that's richard it's intentional i I was wondering well i wondered is it because he was healed with the talisman and maybe that has something some effect on his memory because if you are a twinner and you know about this and you flip you don't then start to forget this other world exists I don't know. I I took it as just like kind of a king staple of like when I know that he's said this in books that we've covered that like it's maybe not Richard voluntarily forgetting. But if he wanted to remember, he could. Yeah, it's just a a survival mechanism because of the kind of person Richard is. I buy that. The talisman healed him. 
in such a way that the talisman knew he would the person Richard is would not want to have that in his head. And I, I guess that's kind of what I was wondering too. Like if part of that healing was a psychological, like a mental yeah, health yeah. piece. So it has been three months and Jack returns to the Alhambra today on his 13th birthday. But he doesn't know it. He has <laughs> no fucking today. He doesn't have a calendar. There's no one but oh. his mother in that hotel. Also, can we just mention real quick, because we didn't talk about this at all. We have jumped back to mm-hmm. Lily a couple times. Lily's story? Yeah, she's been harassed by Morgan this whole time. He shut down the whole hotel turned off the heat, blasted the phones with his lightning thing so she can't make calls. And nobody works there except a few cleaning ladies who are bringing her blankets to keep her warm. And he sits by her bed and just taunts her while she's sleeping, while she's awake. And she is a badass. Yeah. And after she he had left, she after after she got to the point where she no longer had enough food She's wasted away. She's basically skeletal. And it tells a story of her bringing a chair and like searching the hotel. And it just shows you just like how fucking hard ass Mm -hmm. Lily is. Because even on the brink of death, she senses Jack is coming and says, fuck that, I'm staying alive. <laughs> yeah. It's it's awesome. You really get the sense that Lily could not have hung on another day. You yeah. know, it's it is right there. And she pulls herself to the window and she sees she doesn't recognize Jack right away because this journey has changed him mm-hmm. so much. And Jack looks up and sees her and he just yells for his mom and sprints through the hotel and gets to her. And he he picks her up and he thinks that, like, she weighs less than Richard did when mm-hmm. he was carrying him, puts her in bed and then notices that the talisman has become come kind of porous the the texture of it is changing Mm -hmm. and he places it in her hand and as she's holding it in bed it splits open uh like you would the top of a pie oh don't do the finger thing (laughs) (laughs) that's how it's described god Uh, listen to our thinner episodes i guess (laughs) i guess Yeah, never eating pie with you ever. (laughs) The fact that when it opens up, the book has to be like it's like a vagina. It's pretty bad. It's like a vagina, guys. Jack's never seen a vagina, but it's really important you know that this thing looks like a vagina. It's like birth. Get it? (laughs) Because it's not subtle. Because it births this white light. I have to say though, in its the book's defense, I did appreciate. A vagina, for once, being described as something that isn't this horrifying a creature. Yeah. It's, a, it's a, a force of life and beauty instead yeah. of uh, a, an awful pie that makes you fat. Or, or something <laughs> Or kills your family or whatever. Right. Or, yeah. whatever. Yeah. or something you don't let your son touch, like in Mr. Mercedes. Good night, oh everybody. God. What I just, the I, real, I just wanted to hit oh. CM with that, and it worked. Awful. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Friendship over. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. Okay, so we're undercutting. (laughs) We're undercutting. What is a very beautiful moment? Because I do love that it it opens up and he looks down into this light and he sees Earth. He sees a planet and he says, uh, what is it he says? He says um, he knew that looking down on this, he was looking down 
on himself looking down at a smaller version of this. And it is just this recursive, infinite loop. And we're not even doing it justice. No. Like, it's so cool. Yes. It's so cool. But this, the light washes over her entire body. And just like earlier, she is instantly revitalized back to her full strength and full beauty. And it's just, it's amazing. It's such a beautiful <laughs> scene. And she gets up and she hugs Jack. And it's it's wonderful. Uh, Jack sees that the, the talisman has been reduced to a husk. Mm-hmm. And he knows I could scoop these pieces up, but they'll also be gone in a matter of moments anyway. And that's a moment when he thinks from here on out, life can become normal again and we can pick up the life we should have had. And they they move on. I would never be the same. <laughs> yeah, and, and the epilogue. I mean, that's sweet, but <laughs> yeah, and the epilogue is a single sentence: uh, Queen Laura waking up. Which is cool because we never got anything from her. We only kind of saw her from a distance and we've had the coin and stuff. And I just thought it was neat that there was no, we didn't get like what she thought or what yes. she experienced. She's still this sort of like mysterious figure, even though she's Lily's twinner. Yeah. yeah. So should we, let's, let's rate this thing. I'll start because I feel like you guys are going to have, you guys are going to articulate your ratings better. <laughs> we should end <laughs> on good ones. I love this book. It's a ton of fun. It's an amazing bit of world building by these two authors. Highly, highly, highly recommend it and definitely rate it five out of five blue chambray shirts. I I might surprise you guys with my rating here, actually, because this is my third time through The Talisman, and I remember surprisingly little about it. Uh, But I I remember liking it, and I, I was not really enjoying my read through of this book so much through our first two episodes. And then I got to this last third and remembered, oh, I think this is literally the entire reason I liked this book. I I think the ending of the, the, the final action is all so good that it makes up for what is... If you took out the graphic violence, could easily be just like a YA novel. Kind of like Eyes of the, the Eyes of the Dragon. Sort of yeah. Felt similarly. It, it, it's, yeah, it, it's a very straightforward action book. <laughs> and I, I prefer, I, I would have liked it to be a little deeper than it is. Although you rarely like the endings of books. I think this is the that second is time we've the had fact a book that like they pull off the, the ending is very <laughs> impressive. That said, I, I'm going to split the difference, say it is a good book. I was going to give it three, but I, I talked myself up at four out of five blue chamber shirts. The I'm in a similar vein with Ben. So many people that have reached out to us when we were covering this book had either said like they tried it and it wasn't for them or they didn't get very far. And I told all of them, it's a, such a weird thing to have to say to a book about a book, but like you really have to go on the journey. Mm-hmm. And for as much shit as I gave it early on for how slow that pace is, when you get to the end, you really feel the weight of the journey because it feels like we've we've only covered this in three episodes. It feels like when we covered The Stand yes. or It and we were like, guys, we've been in this world for 10 years. <laughs> it has that same impact on me. And I just, 
I absolutely love it. This last section, like all of those things coming together, even the things that we talked about that the book doesn't really spell out for you. Just such great world building. Five out of five blue chambray shirts. And that is it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode where we will be covering The Shining, selected by our patron, Aiden White, where we will be reading through chapter 19. For Joshua Kahn and Benjamin Graham, I'm CM Alexander reminding you, innate goodness must have its own power over evil. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to The Talisman Part 3. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know how many blue chambray shirts you gave this book on our Facebook or Instagram at Dairy Public Radio or Twitter at Dairy Public. You can email us at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. And as always, don't forget to check out our Etsy store, dairypublicradio at etsy.com, and our Patreon where we post bonus episodes each month. The next one we're posting is our discussion with director Ian Klink about Sometimes They Come Back. And here's a little something extra for you guys. In the land of books, you can be an ancient knight. You can slay a giant dragon, or you can have sex with that dragon. In the land of books. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.